Let's go ahead and pray. Oh, Father, we do come here expecting uh, to be tried, Lord, um, as your word is so often a, a mirror that reveals things about our own hearts, Lord. Uh, not in judgment, not in uh, anger, Lord, but because you desire the best for our lives, Lord. Uh, you desire to mold and shape us into things that will honor and glorify you and build your kingdom and also uh, produce joy within us, Lord. So may we be open to that right now, Lord. May we be open to being refined, Lord. Uh, burn away the things that don't matter. Burn away the things in our lives that are worthless. Uh, reveal to our hearts the things that need to go or the things that need to start, Lord. Um, we just pray that you would do your work right now through your word, in your people. And we ask you in your mighty and precious name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Some of you know uh, that we are part of a church planting network here in Spokane. Um, there's a lot of initials. Pacific Northwest Church Planting Movement Cooperative. I don't know. PC something. And double lots of consonants. Anyway, uh, so part of that is that we meet up monthly with a smaller group of churches, five or six, and then that group is part of a little larger group, all in the Spokane area, Spokane Coeur d'Alene area. Uh, I think there's like 40 or 50 churches involved. I'm not sure. Um, I should know these things before I talk on stage. But what has happened is we have been able to partner with planting uh, a number of different churches uh, in, the pro in the course of this process over the last two years that we've been involved, which is really awesome and encouraging because if we had been part of something like this when we had planted this church, it would have been so helpful uh, to have somebody come alongside us and root for us and, and cheer for us and, and be a blessing to us in the community. We did have those people, but it was harder to find uh, than being part of a network. So today we're going to have Phil Moore come on up Phil. Phil is going to teach this morning. Yeah. And why this is significant is Phil is planting a church and I'm sure he's going to tell you a little bit about uh, this fall in West Central. So just across the bridge, we're going to be practically neighbors. So um, yeah, I'm super excited. Phil has been uh, one of the guys I've gotten to know over the couple last couple of years as part of this group and love the guy. Uh, you know when you meet somebody and they're so different from you and you love them because of that? Like Phil's just one of those guys you talk to and it felt like he gave you a big old hug of your soul somehow. And I'm not like that. So I wish I had that in me, but I don't. But Phil does. So you guys are going to be blessed this morning uh, as he brings the word. So Phil. Thank yeah. you, sir. Thank you, Jared. Wow. Hey, everybody. Um, such an honor to be with you this morning. I'm looking out at these faces and most of these are just new faces. I see a couple that I know, but God bless you, Riverstone Chapel. Such a joy to be with you this morning. Um, you have an awesome pastor too, and he didn't pay me to say that. He's, uh, he's a legend, he's such a good guy. Um, it's been such a joy to get to know Jared over the past couple years. I look up to him in a lot of ways and have gleaned a lot of wisdom from this guy. Um, and I just love his, his heart for Jesus. And we are going to be talking about the heart of Jesus this morning a little bit too. So a little bit about me. Um, my name is Phil Moore. I'm originally from the west side of the state, um, but I moved here about 10 years ago to go to Whitworth. 
and I just fell in love with the city, um, and I love Spokane so much, and I also fell in love with this woman, Nina, my wife over here. We've, we're going to celebrate six years of marriage in August, so yeah, we're super excited. Um, God is so good, and um, so we live in the West Central neighborhood. We've been there for a couple years. I was explaining West Central to somebody earlier this morning, um, and you can obviously just imagine, okay, West Central, part of Spokane, but if you um, forget what it feels like how many of y'all have done Bloomsday the that run okay a few hands here so when you're coming up Doomsday Hill boom you're right in the West Central neighborhood right there and there's a community center right there that's where we're gonna be meeting on Sunday mornings starting in August um, and then we have our big launch in September we're, we're gonna be all about Jesus and the love of God and sharing that with our neighbors and loving our neighbors so we're really excited and I feel so supported just being here with you this morning while we talk about reconciliation. So I am definitely parachuting in here this morning, so you don't really know me, and I'm talking about something that's not totally in line with the series that I know you're going through right now. I know you're talking about the conversion, Saul's conversion from Saul to Paul, um, but we are gonna be reading um, a message from the Apostle Paul this morning about reconciliation, and I hope that God speaks to you through me this morning. Um, and so, yeah, a few weeks ago, Jared um, talked to me, and he was like, hey, I would love for you to come speak at my church, and I was like, okay, cool, so just go up there for about 10 minutes and talk about the, the church plan. He's like, no, I want you to dust off your Bible and preach from that old thing. Um, and so we have a joke um, back and forth about which denomination cares more about the Bible. Is it Calvary? Is it Covenant? Which is my denomination. So we like to tease each other about that. But anyway, we're going to be speaking from the Word of God this morning. Um, and I've heard one theologian say that the people of God are the people of the book. These people with this special message of the good news of Jesus Christ. Okay, and so before we dive into it, I want you to imagine that you're leaving um, this Sunday morning and you walk out on the street and you see a stranger or a friend. Um, what we normally do to greet people is we just say, hey, how's it going? Or what's up? Hi. And what we're usually conveying with that is like, greetings, I see you, I acknowledge your existence, best wishes, kind of a thing. Um, but the Jewish people have this phrase that some of you might be know, which is shalom, which means what's well, defined as peace, but it's so much deeper than just like a peace, peace and love kind of thing. It's like this deep movement of God, this like cosmic wide movement of God to restore everything. What was broken is now made whole. What was lost is now found. That's shalom. And so we can say that to each other if we want to as people of God. But that's what we're going to be talking about this morning is shalom. And you're probably like, okay, just start, get into the word, man. Okay, so that's what we're going to do. Don't worry. Will you pray with me, though, before we jump into 2 Corinthians chapter 5? God with us, Jesus Messiah, we were just singing about how you are the name above all names. Thank you, Jesus, that you are with us this morning. We're going to say words about how you have reconciled us to God. Thank you for that gift, Jesus. We're going to say these words. I'm going to say them, and um, they might just roll off our backs. But God, this is so important. This is so huge. This morning, we're going to be talking about reconciliation. God, would you use me, help me to get out of the way and just speak to these wonderful people, God? Maybe um, as we think about reconciliation, somebody comes to mind. 
that we need to reconcile with. Or a group of people comes to mind that we need to reconcile with. Maybe we've been wronged. Maybe we've wronged them too. We're at odds with someone or some group of people, God. Would you speak to us? Would your word meet us in that moment? In your name, amen. Amen. Okay, so I believe and I hope that through this word, God can speak to you right where you are. God loves to do that. So will you open um, your Bibles with me this morning? If you have this nice ESV Bible, um, there's some up here if you want to grab one if you need it, or on your phone or whatever. Um, It's on page 562 if you have one of these Bibles with you. But anyway, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to start with verse 14, and we're going to go until the end of the chapter. For the love of Christ controls us, or compels, or urges us, because we've concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. All of you are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. There's so much um, richness in there. But what we're going to be doing is I want to um, go verse by verse through this text for a little bit of time with you. And I want, to, want you to imagine um, that there's this simulation of you reconciling with somebody at the same time. And if that's helpful for you, awesome. I hope it is. The first thing, first um, piece of wisdom that I think Paul gives us for dealing with reconciliation is to stop and center ourselves on Jesus and what God has done through Jesus for us. The fact that we are already reconciled. Okay, so I was talking with Jake. Um, by the way, don't we kind of look like we're related? Like, don't you think our ancestors? Should, and we, I also rolled my pants to be to look more like Jake. So, okay. Anyway, um, so I was talking with Jake about this viral video that um, was a few years ago. Of how many of y'all know Shia LaBeouf, the actor? He was in those terrible Transformer movies. <laughs> Sorry if anybody likes him, but um, this viral video went out that he did where he's like 
amping people up. Have you guys seen that? Where he's like, just do it. That thing in your life that you need to do, just make it happen. Do it. Like your dreams make it. It's like, it's actually a good video to watch right before like an interview. Or I was talking to Patrick, who's got an interview this next week. I don't know if Patrick is in the room. Definitely watch that video before your interview, man, and get, get amped up. That is not what Paul is saying, okay? <laughs> That's not what Paul is saying. He's not saying reconciliation, just jump into it. Because sometimes when we do that, we have this like cheap reconciliation where it's like, oh, it's okay, no worries, we're good, we're good, we're good. But that's, that's cheap and that's not real. And also, or sometimes, yeah, so Paul says, do something different. Don't just launch into this reconciliation moment. Verse 14, for Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Christ's love compels or urges us. Christ died for all and now we should live not for ourselves, but for Jesus. Instead of Paul being like, Instead of Paul saying, be like Shia LaBeouf and just do reconciliation, he says, wait a minute. You are the one who messed up. And yet, because of Jesus, you're reconciled to God. Another translation puts it like this. He wants you to work from this focus center. Move from this focus center that one died for everyone. So here I am up here encouraging you to notice the way Paul sets this out. Before you launch into reconciliation, know that you are reconciled to God through Jesus. But that's so hard to do. Like when I think about me being at odds with a friend, um, that's usually the thing that I'm thinking about the most. It's, it kind of like can kind of dominate my thoughts and it's hard for me to think about anything else while I'm going throughout the day. But Paul is, really wants us to zero in on God's reconciliation to us here. So don't rush into that reconciliation moment. Imagine that um, you're going to coffee with somebody at 10 a.m. or something in the next morning. God wants you to spend some time with Jesus. Open up God's word. Discover how loved you are and how reconciled you are to God before you jump into that moment. And there's more going on here in this verse, right? When we're in that this reconciliation moment, we sometimes hate this point that Paul has that, that God not only loves you, but he loves that person who wronged you or that person who you need to reconcile with. That's kind of a hard pill to swallow sometimes. We think about some people. Jesus not only sacrificially loves you, but that person that you need to reconcile with. Okay, so I'm becoming a legit pastor now, and so I think it's only right that I get a Hebrew tattoo somewhere. Don't you guys think I should get some Hebrew tattoos? So if I get one, I'm thinking about getting, well, this is actually Latin, but Imago Dei. Do you guys know the theology of the Imago Dei? It's found in Genesis 1:27 that says that God created humans in his image. And what's beautiful about that theology is that um, it, I'll probably get like Imago Dei, like right below my, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, not enough laughs about that. You guys thought I was serious. Okay. But I, um, what I love about this theology is just this idea that like it roots me in my understanding of like, I'm not God, which is very obvious if you hang out with me for more than five minutes, but I'm made in the image of God. And that, that's a deep thing that I could like sit with for the rest of my life. And also that person that has wronged me or that person I need to reconcile with is also made in the image of God. How many of you have read um, D. 
Dietrich Bonhoeffer's Life Together. Has anybody read that book? Super recommend it. Um, I don't know if you like it. Yeah, it's great. Okay, cool. So pastor, pastor approves. I was just like, wait, I shouldn't recommend it. Um, it's not my church. Okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'll share a quote from it that I love. Okay. He says this exact idea. To bear the burden of the other person means involvement with the created reality of the other. Involvement with the created reality of the other. To accept and affirm it, and in bearing with it, to break through to the point where we take joy in it. We take joy in the created reality of this other person. You can't extend Jesus' love to a person or a community who you need to reconcile with until you know how beloved you are and how reconciled you are to God. Okay, so now you've spent that time at home um, with Jesus, um, discovering and like really knowing not just in your mind, but in your heart and your soul how reconciled you are to God through Jesus. And now you're heading to the coffee shop and you sit down and you're waiting for this person. They're late, of course. <laughs> what does Paul have to share with us? The, the first point I want to share, or the next point I want to share is that the God of reconciliation is with you in that moment. So you don't just center yourself on God and be like, all right, God, I'm leaving. See ya. I'm going to go do this. You like God goes before you and God is with you in that moment of reconciliation. Let's read verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. There's a lot of goodness in these two verses, but I want to focus on that phrase, all this is from God. So you're sitting at the coffee shop waiting for this person to come, and they sit down with you. All this is from God. All this reconciliation is from God. Two things I think we can glean from that. The first is that, let me look at my notes here. Reconciliation is God's bread and butter. All this is from God. This whole like reconciliation thing, this is God's territory. Like shalom, this is God's thing. So the God of reconciliation who crushes it at reconciliation is with you in this moment. You're not alone. And that's a wild thing to think about, right? Like the living God of the universe is with you. I like, I feel like that's pretty crazy. I don't think about that enough. Do you think about that enough? Like the living God of the universe is with us right now, right here. That's wild. That's crazy. Um, and, and I believe that in those moments of reconciliation, I think Paul is helping us see that God, um, God could maybe give us space in those moments of reconciliation to listen to that person. Isn't that one of the hardest things to do, to listen to somebody when they've wronged you? And they sit down, and so imagine they sit down, you start small talking, and you're like, okay, now it's time to talk about what our challenge is together, and they start talking at you. Maybe God will give you the space to listen to them for another moment. Maybe God will give you room to find forgiveness. The second thing I, can, I think we can glean from the fact that reconciliation is from God, all this is from God, Paul says, is that um, Jesus knows what it's like more than anyone what it's like to be betrayed, to be hurt by people. I just want to go through this list. The same person who was betrayed by his friends, 
kicked out of his own hometown. They tried to kill him. He was spat on. He was beaten, flogged. He was nailed to a cross, the most humiliating thing ever, and mocked by the same people who he came to save. This God is with you in that reconciliation moment. And he knows how truly painful it is to be wronged and to be at odds with people. So you're not alone in that moment. Jesus is with you and he'll make that reconciliation happen and he knows better than anyone what it's like to be wronged. Um, So we explored how the God of reconciliation is with you in that moment. In In a letter to Timothy, Paul says, Don't be timid, Timothy. God's spirit gives us power, love, and self-discipline. And so I think another thing that we can learn from Paul is that we need to be bold in these moments of reconciliation too, right? In the apartheid era in South Africa, we can think of a lot of examples of needs and reconciliation in the U.S., but um, I love this quote from Desmond Tutu, who was obviously... uh, a figure of truth and reconciliation in in South Africa during apartheid. This is what he says. Forgiving and being reconciled to our enemies or our loved ones is not about pretending that things are other than they are. It's not about patting one another on the back and turning a blind eye to the wrong. True reconciliation exposes the awfulness, the abuse, the hurt, the truth, It could even sometimes make things worse. It's a risky undertaking, but in the end, it is worthwhile. Because in the end, only an honest confrontation with reality can bring real healing. Superficial reconciliation can only bring superficial healing. So when you're in that reconciliation moment, ask God to give you the boldness to say it like it is, right? To say what's really going on and to be real. Join me in verse 19. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. One commentator puts it this way, God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. So the next thing I think we can learn from, here, from this ministry of like forgiveness and reconciliation is to make space for forgiveness, which is probably the hardest thing about reconciliation, I think, forgiveness. Um, I was, uh, when I was at Whitworth, one of my buddies, um, we were running late to a theology class, and um, this is several years ago, and I was like, we were wearing our backpacks, and I was like, okay, Grant, we need to like, we need to book it to class to make it in time. So I start running with my backpack, and he's like, hang on a second, whoa, whoa, whoa. don't ever run with a backpack because you look super nerdy and it's super uncool. Nobody will like it. Have you guys found that like running with a backpack is like, there's no cool way to do it. Okay, I'm actually in the master's program at Whitworth, and I tried running with a briefcase. And that looks weird, too. It looks like a spy movie or something. There's no good way to run with a, with a backpack. So anyway, that's, that has nothing to do with the sermon, except that I want to talk about the story of the prodigal son, okay? So how many of you know that story, the prodigal son, the return of this prodigal son? So this, I want to tell it again in case you've never heard it. There's this young man 
they're two brothers. There's a younger brother and an older brother. And they know that when the father dies, their inheritance will get split and both sons will get, you know, 50% of the property and the money and all that, and all, all, all the assets and stuff like that. And so the younger son is like, I want that now. And I would rather you, I basically wish you were dead, dad, so that I could take your money and do what I want with it. So the dad's like, okay, you can have your money right now. Go for it. And he gives it to the son. The son runs to a nearby city and goes crazy and does a bunch of things that don't make God happy, make God sad. And he's actually hanging out with pigs, which were considered like the lowest of the low. Jewish people don't even eat pigs. They're, they're that bad to them. And so he's eating the food that pigs eat. And he's like at the lowest of the low. And he's like, I, I would actually have it better if I went back home. And so he returns and he's hanging his head in shame. And I picture the father on this rocking chair, like reading the Torah or something like that. And I imagine him wearing a tunic. I don't know if that's legit, but I picture him wearing a tunic and sandals. And he sees the sun setting and there's a shadowy figure in the distance. And it's the sun that he's been waiting for. And what I would do is probably wait, you know, let the son do a walk of shame all the way back and be like, look at what you did, you idiot, you know, or whatever. But he runs to the son. And so here's where the backpack analogy comes in play. Think about how nerdy it would look for him to be running in a tunic, like pulling up a tunic, running in his sandals toward the person who had like rubbed their family's name in pig mud and he runs toward him and embraces him and welcomes him back and says, you're home. I, I've been waiting for you. I love you. You're reconciled. I forgive you. Let's celebrate your return. Forgiveness is really hard, though. I don't know how that father did it. But he, Jesus, when he tells the story, is explaining a lot of different things. But he's shedding a light on the heart of God. God's love. And I think we, um, that's what Paul is trying to share with us too here, the heart of God, which is one of reconciliation and forgiveness. So I'm going to turn a corner here and wrap up in a minute. Um, we've, we've talked about how we center ourselves on the fact that Jesus has reconciled us to God. That's what Paul puts in the front, and Paul always does that, right? Like, if you notice that, maybe you'll talk about that, too, in some sermons soon, and you, you'll pick this up, that Paul will say, like, this is what happened. God, like, is, has moved towards you through Jesus and says, you're in, you're accepted, you're beloved, you're in my family, and now respond to that. That's, like, kind of a Paulian thing that you'll notice, and so we've centered ourselves on the fact that Jesus has reconciled himself to us and we, and we know that when we're in that moment of reconciliation, the God of reconciliation, the God of shalom is with us in that moment. And now verse 20, let's read that together here. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. Think about for a second how wild that is that God, he kind of trusts us with being ambassadors of reconciliation, that God would make his appeal through us of all people. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. 
So you are an ambassador of reconciliation. You need to know that. That's what Paul wants you to know. Like you're, this ministry of re- reconciliation is, is going to be the way that you live if you take this seriously, what God has done through Jesus. I want to read a quote from um, one of my favorite authors, Henry Nouwen, um, who says, Reconciliation is much more than a one-time event by which a conflict is resolved and peace established. A ministry of reconciliation goes far beyond problem solving, mediation, and peace agreements. He says, there's not a moment in our lives without the need for reconciliation. Reconciliation touches the most hidden parts of our souls. God gave reconciliation to us as a ministry that never ends. Let me read verse 20 again. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Each one of you, ambassador, ambassador, ambassador for Christ. Those kids up there are ambassadors for Christ who are celebrating right now. I love that. For our sake, he made him sin, or he, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So I want you, want you to think about this for a moment. Like, if all this is true, if Paul is legit here and says, this is a ministry of reconciliation that you've been called to, I want, I want to just like take like 30 seconds of silence. And that's okay if it's awkward. I'm an awkward guy, so I can deal with it. If you can, we're good. I want, I want you to think for 30 seconds, like what would it be like to be an ambassador of reconciliation right where God has you? I want to take a moment to just think about that. Being an ambassador looks like um, spreading the news, like having reconciliation on your lips, like being quick to talk about it. Think about that for a second. Right where God has you in Spokane. What does it look like to be an ambassador if all this is real? We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I want to close with a um, quick story. Okay, so how many of you um, love watching the Olympics? Anybody, any Olympics fans out here? Oh, I see a no. That's strong no. No Olympics for you. Okay, so disregard this story then for you. <laughs> um, so me and my wife, for like the few weeks when like the summer or the winter Olympics happen, we in our own minds be, become experts of these sports that we don't care about for the other four years or whatever. But for a moment, we're like on the edge of our seat and we really learn about it and we really care about it. And so one time we were watching um, the Winter Olympics. I think it was Sochi Olympics. And we were watching the women's snowboarding half pipe competition. So you guys know where that is, where they like start high and they go into this half pipe and they do like a crazy trick, land it, do another crazy trick, land it. It's like scary and exciting and it's like this beautiful art. It's really cool. So we were watching this and the announcers are like, okay, there's this one gal, Chloe Kim. She's a U.S. um, snowboarder. Keep an eye on her. She's been doing really well in the trials and stuff like that. And so we're like, okay, Chloe Kim, Chloe Kim, keep an eye on her. So we start watching these people go, and it's just super impressive and really exciting. And then um, Chloe Kim goes, 
And we're like, USA, USA. And Chloe Kim goes down and does these incredible tricks. And the announcers are freaking out. And they're like, she's never done that before. She unveiled this amazing trick. It's so incredible. And she's super stoked at the end of it. And she gets the best score in the first heat. And so they're like, OK, you got the best score in the first heat. So in the second heat, you get to go last. So you get to see how everybody else does and know what your competition is, how hard you need to try, stuff like that. So everybody else goes in the second heat. And nobody can get a better score than Chloe Kim, how she did on her first heat. So some people went twice, and they still couldn't do what she did as, as well on her first run. And so there she is, standing at the top, and she's kind of smiling. And the announce, one announcer is like, oh, maybe she'll just coast down since she already won. She's good. And the other announcer is like, no way. She's totally going to do something crazy because she has nothing to lose. She's totally just going like, to go, go wild. And so we were on the edge of our seat, um, super excited to see what she would do. She goes into the half pipe super confidently, goes, does this crazy triple backflip. I don't know what it was. But then she lands perfectly, goes, does an amazing trick. And they're like, oh, she might try to do this other trick. Boom, she goes up, does this crazy thing, lands it perfectly. And she's just like on another level. And again, we, we were not experts of snowboarding, but we felt like this is something that nobody's ever seen. Because the announcers were freaking out. Everybody in the stands was on their feet. Didn't matter what country they're from. They were like, Chloe, give. And so she crosses the finish line. And she's like, you can tell she's crying even through her goggles. Like Everybody's like, wow, that was so special. It's this concept of like Chloe knew she was victorious before she began. She's, she was like moving from a place of like, I have nothing to lose. I'm a winner. Like I am, I am victorious. I think that's kind of what Paul is showing us here first. He doesn't say right away, just do it. Just do reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation, just make it happen. He says, hang on a second. Know this. Like, through Christ, you have the gold medal in your hands. So go confidently, as hard as it is. It's so hard to do the backflip she did. It takes a lot of practice, discipline. It's really, really hard. But um, she did it with this freedom and this life because she knew she was victorious already. I believe that is a taste of what Paul is trying to get at here when he talks about the reconciliation of God. So we've centered ourselves on the fact that Jesus has reconciled himself to us. Just to recap what we've talked about this morning, we can be like Chloe Kim, but in a spiritual Jesus sense and knowing that we've already won. We are reconciled. If you've submitted your life to Jesus, you are reconciled to him and totally and completely forgiven and loved. And we talked about how in that reconciliation moment, the God of reconciliation is with you. And, and God knows what it's like to be hurt, to be abandoned and betrayed. And that same God is with you. We explored the massive importance of, of boldness, to say it like it is, and forgiveness, probably the hardest thing of reconciliation. And now we live daily as ambassadors of reconciliation. We live as shalom people. In Jesus' name. So, um, Jake, you can go ahead and come up here. I'm going to pray. Jesus, thank you so much for what you've done. God, maybe there are your beloved people made in your image here who don't quite know how much you love them. 
Maybe there are people in this room who've committed their lives to you. They've submitted everything to you. And they, and they forget how reconciled, how loved they are by you, God. God, this week, um, I think, I pray, I hope that you're calling us to this ministry of reconciliation. Would each one of us be ambassadors for you and for your shalom movement in the world? Help us take that seriously. Most of all, help us move from a place of your deep, deep, deep love. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Amen. Phil, that was awesome. Thank you, brother. That was a blessing. Not an accident that you're here on the day Phil was here. So there's a good chance that somebody in here is like, I need to go find me a church in West Central. Phil's going to be somewhere in this vicinity after church. So come talk to him. Maybe you got family members or have an idea or you have dollars that you haven't spent yet this month. And you're like, I just got a bunch of extra money I want to give away. Well, Phil will be here. And our tithe box is in the back, coincidentally. So either way. God bless you on that. Uh, one quick announcement. We have our growth track class tonight. It's usually the first Sunday of the month, but 4th of July, I figured no one would show up for that. So if you're interested in our growth track class, it's like, what's this church about? And how do I get plugged in? And when's the snake handling scheduled? Like all the stuff you want to know when you... Just joking, we don't handle snakes that often. Um, so that class is tonight. It's a two-hour class. We buy you dinner. We explain who we are as a church, what we value, why we do things the way we do, how to get involved, what we're going to tell you six months from now, all the stuff that, you know, usually churches don't tell you when you really want to know. So that's happening tonight. If you want to be a part of that, come find me. I'm going to be up here um, right after service. And the rest of you, God bless you. Go ahead and say hi to someone on your way out. The best thing God's doing in this church is the people. So we'll see you next week right here at 10 o'clock.